Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the HR Cartel Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Dive. Thank you for joining me once more. Um, this podcast is brought to you by our workplace advisory specialists. Go to www.workplaceas.com um, and check out some free tools you can download there, some position description templates and um, uh, performance improvement plan templates and uh, performance discussion uh, guides and that sort of thing. So you can download those for free um, and get some some good performance in your business. Other podcast episodes are there as well and also advice and tips in our blog. So go and check that out and reach out if you've got any questions. Um, hit the contact page there and uh, we'd be happy to talk. Okay, let's talk about this gender pay equity report that was released um, because this is the Workplace Gender Equality Agency um, initiative and they, they've had uh, businesses that have more than 100 employees in Australia. Uh, not the public sector, though, not the government. They excluded themselves from this little gem. Um, so those that, that data was received last year. It was all submitted last year by businesses in Australia. It's been analysed, if you can call it that, um, and uh, reports have been produced by this agency. This agency I do not like. I, I, I haven't. I, have, I make no secrets about that. They're, I think they're frankly full of shit, but, um, and many people do. Other people don't. Um uh, it's a very emotional topic for a lot of people. If you just comment about this sort of stuff on the socials, on LinkedIn and places like that, you're bound to get abused. Um, now, uh, I don't mind that though because someone has to have some common sense in this area and uh, we don't get anywhere when you try to silence voices. So let's talk about it and let's just look at the data. and look. Let's look at what's been uh, produced and presented. Um, in fact, if you look at the AFR, the Australian Financial Review, and their uh, their feed. If you look, you sort the feed out by by workplace news. Nine out of ten uh, stories and articles are about this report. Nothing's new, right? The things the things being produced by the report were already known. Um, they haven't revealed anything alarming. They haven't revealed anything of um, of genuine substance, um, and they haven't pr- produced any solutions. Right, but it's just taken over. It's just taken over the the the, um, the ideology of the media today, um, which just it, it's in true form of this of this uh, workplace gender equality agency um, style. You know, no solutions. They've existed for so long. I, I I can't tell you how many years they've existed for, but more than ten. That that has to be more than ten. How many millions of dollars have they taken from Australian taxpayers and what have they done solutions-wise? Still no solution, right? The report that had to get submitted last year was, was horrific too. I, I had to help some clients with submitting the, submitting the report. What a nightmare that was. Um, anyway, look, let, here's some surprising things that come out of the report. Um, the the workplace gender equality agency again um, under underpins all this information and data that they release and the conversations they're having with this statement that it has been illegal to pay women less than men since 1969, and they repeatedly state time and time again, this is not what the what gender equity pay or gender pay equity is about. Then what are we talking about? Right, the fact that they have to repeatedly state that disclaimer to try and educate their followers that what what they're trying to say is not that 
it just shows you how how hijacked this conversation has become. In fact, they've changed their tune because it was about that, right? They were trying to say that was the case. They've had to correct that, um, admit they were wrong, um, try to educate their followers and fan base that actually it is illegal and actually we don't have any evidence that laws have been broken in paying women less than men, than men get paid for the same work. Um, they've now shifted that and said, in fact, what it is, it's about um, it's about the value of the work that women do uh, uh, and, and what society places, what value society places on that work. Okay. That might be a part of it, right? That might be a part of it. We can see stuff like this in, um, uh, well, I'm not going to say education because, you know, teachers get paid a ton of cash. Well, I know teachers that are on $120,000 a year. And I know teachers that are on more than that too. Um, you know, that's high income, okay? Um, and more women than men in that, in that sector. Look at my sector, HR. Um, tons more women than there are men. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a huge minority in, in that industry, not just by the way that I think, but just by my gender. Um, very high-paying industry uh, in, in many cases. Um, you know, so... Uh, Look, there's uh, we can cherry pick industries. Let's look at childcare, for example. Okay, I agree. Childcare, uh, they they uh, aren't paid enough money. Um, but what are the reasons for that? It's not because society doesn't value childcare less. In fact, they they society especially values childcare. My goodness, it's it's just that Australian working families don't have the money to pay massive salaries. They can't pay the bill, right? I mean, to have a child in childcare, what's it, you know, $100 a day? Have two, have two or three children in there, you're spending a couple of thousand bucks a week on childcare fees. Um, you've got to earn that. You've got to pay tax on that and then end up with that money spare in your bank account to be able to pay that bill. Um, it's not that society doesn't value the work. Right. It's the, the the affordability in Australia is rat shit. It's very difficult to to pay your bills in this country. Um, it's not that the, that you're you're not valued. That's not what it is. That's not that. that but that's just one cherry picked example, right? Uh, but this this issue is it's a it's a social issue. What pisses me off about it a lot. What really pisses me off about how this government and governments before it um, impose social problems on small and medium-sized employers. That's what really pisses me off about the gender pay equity stuff and the family and domestic violence stuff and all that. And all, and all that. But let's take those two, those two scenarios, family and domestic violence. You've got now small, small businesses have to pay employees 10 days fully paid leave, casuals included and everything, if you're a victim of domestic violence. You know what? Great. I support... Uh, victims of domestic violence. Um, you, you need support. But if the government was really serious about it, about stamping this problem out, they'd do it, right? They, they, they'd put more effort. They wouldn't shirk their responsibilities about social uh, norms, social acceptances, um, illegal conduct, violent conduct um, that happens in, in a family's home or around a family's home and family relationships. What, what, made, what made the government... Uh, say, oh yeah, employers. That's their. They they should fix that. 
they should now intervene in in their employees' homes. They should be the judge of whether this person um, is a genuine victim of family family and domestic violence or not, and they should pay them the money um, to be able to have them go and deal with their family domestic violence issues. Um, and they should judge when they can come back and if 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 they're um, you know if they're lawfully entitled to get that leave. What a load of shit that is. It's it's terrible, right? Um, not terrible for the victims. It's terrible for the small and business small business employers. Um, let's look at this gender pay equity thing now. If the government's that serious about women getting more getting more money or taking home more money, um, pretty simple fix, right? You've got uh, what's his name? Jim Chalmers. Is that his name? The treasurer standing on top of you know rooftops and mountains, beating his chest about how fiscally successful his government is. But you got some money in the coffers, then how about you use it? If this is a, if this is a, a situation or a topic you're really passionate about fixing um, and you want to put out pay equity orders and and all sorts of things through the Fair Work Commission and impose yourself on employers, how about this for a solution? If a carer, doesn't matter what gender they are, male or female, if they're going to take time off work to choose to care for a baby for, for 12 months or for two years, pay them their full salary. You've got the money in the bank, right, Jimmy Chalmers? Oh, Jimmy, you've, done, you've, you've, you've given yourself a pat in the back. Um, now do something worthwhile. Pay them their full salary. Say a woman's on $120,000 a year. She wants to take 12 months off to care for, for a child or for a parent or whatever it is. Sure, you've got it. The, it's not the employer's problem. We'll, we'll give you $120,000. The government will make sure that your pay doesn't go down. Here's, here's the kicker, though. You've got to uh, oblige yourself. You've got to agree with the government that you're going to return to work in 12 months' time. Um, and if you don't return to work in 12 months' time, if you break that agreement um, and you refuse to go back to work, well, that 120k you, you, that you just got from the government, we're going to take your family's tax returns, right? That's your dependents. Once they start working and turning 18 and working and or 16, whatever it is, and your husband or your wife or whatever it is, um, you know, when they're sitting and lodging their tax returns, we're going to hold back that money until that debt that you talk is paid. Um, there's your motivation to get someone back to work as well. Because it's not just about – this whole uh, gender equity thing is not just about money. It's about workforce participation as well, right? That they don't want women out of the workforce. They want women back in the workforce. And they're, they're, they're doing this. They're trying to achieve this by bastardizing data, um, analyzing data, genuine data from companies and making it look like it's a, it's a really bad situation and, and, uh, and that employers have to now favor women and, and positively discriminate and, and that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, it's not just about money. It's about workplace participation. Um, that um, that debt that a whole family is going to have to pay back if a person doesn't doesn't go back to work is motivation to get you back into the workforce, to get you back involved in the workforce quicker than you normally would. The government wants that as well, right? Uh, in fact, Australia needs that. We're such a small um, country population-wise and we're trying to keep up in a global economy. We, 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 need, work, we need full participation for that. Um, th- there's no question about that, right? So that's a positive thing. Anyway, the point being made here is if the government was so serious about this issue, in inverted commas, what they call an issue, then fix the the problem. 
right? You can do it. You can easily make sure that no one's pay goes down. And you watch that, you watch the difference in pay then um, actually balance out. Women can take a year off. Their pay won't drop one cent, not one cent. That's going to solve, I'd say, at least 30 to 40% of the pay gap that's been reported. Yeah, you know, the the other the other the other scenario, like another 25, 30, 40 percent, is it has to be the fact that it's it's a family choice matter. Um, you know, families will make decisions on who's best to stay at home and do caring responsibilities, and who's best to sacrifice being at home with family and be at work. They'll make that decision on themselves. They're always going to make that decision by themselves. The government has no place telling them how to make that decision, or trying to incentivize um, uh, businesses to to create policies. Uh, that start to intervene in the in their employees' lives at home about how the family makes decisions. Employers have no place influencing family decisions. They have absolutely no place. Um, that's going to be the outcome of this type of work that the Workplace Gender Equality Agency is doing. So, um, you know, it, it's 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 just a load of shit all over the place, really. Now, let's consider this. Let's consider this. What else? What else would tell us that this entire thing is garbage? It's ideological, doesn't make any sense, um, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's its own, it, it's propping itself up as an industry. Well, let's look at who the, who, who the big uh, offenders are. Now, there's a, there's a report, um, uh, this, I think it's this week, yeah, February 27th on, the, on Australian Financial Review. There's a report on the, uh, on the pay gap um, about how, uh, these business advisory firms, these business advisory firms who are diversity advocates, who impose their beliefs on diversity, equity, and inclusion up onto their clients and get paid millions of dollars for doing it. You know, I'm talking about McKinsey, BCG, Bain, you know, all, all these um, top advisory firms in Australia, they're the worst, um, the worst at it. They've got the worst gender pay gaps in the industry, McKinsey has almost forty percent pay gap in the favour of men, but they're one they're one of the biggest people that beat their chest about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and, and invoice their clients millions of dollars of of, of uh, worth of advice on on how to get it right. You are full of shit. This just demonstrates how much crap this whole thing is, right? Boston Consulting Group, Bain, Accenture, Deloitte—they're all bad. They're all very, very bad, um, but they'll send you an invoice and send one of their one of their consultants into your business and tell you how to do it. They'll send you that, right? But, you know, let's look at this one. This is interesting. On this list, PwC um, are the lowest, had the lowest pay gap, like three percent or something. Um, but again, this this shows you why the data is 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 bad. Um, this da- the data that the Workplace Gender Equality Agency has reviewed um, is flawed, is always going to produce a flawed report. PwC has the lowest gender pay gap of all these consulting firms, 3% or something like that. The only problem is their highest earners aren't employees. These partners that are in, in this firm who are paid up to a million dollars in, in base salaries, they aren't employees. Their remuneration wasn't reported. Now, this agency knows this, but they're still publishing that this business is has the best pay gap. 
among amongst their 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 peers. What is this agency doing? They are full of shit. They are absolutely full of shit. Um, anyway, anyway, I think you know this is an emotive uh, uh, topic uh, for for me, who's a passionate advocate for small and medium sized uh, businesses and employers, and and creating the best workplaces we possibly can. Um, I don't like this because it's going to impose um, ridiculous, uh, you know, policy requirements, more costs, uh, more issues for small business employers. Okay, um, for those HR people in in my people in my field who work for um, large companies, these are, these are businesses who, who have the financial luxury to employ large HR teams, um, the luxury to have. A diversity and equity and inclusion manager, uh, who what the what the hell do they do? What do they do? Seriously, you know, these guys a couple of hundred thousand bucks a year, a quarter of a million dollars a year as a diversity, equity, and inclusion manager. Uh, come on, give me a break. Um, you know, those people though are going to be very passionately against my views here. Um, they genuinely believe uh, that. Um, workplaces are discriminating against women. Uh, they're not. The Workplace Gender Equality Agency even tells you they're not. Um, you know. Uh, well, in the same breath, they tell you they do as well. So you can't you can't trust them. Um, but the fact remains, it's been illegal to do that since 1969. I've seen no evidence in my tw- almost 20 years of experience where I've seen a female get paid less because of her gender. I challenge anybody listening to this podcast to give me evidence and you'll change my mind. You know, you, you, you'll change my mind on this. I will never say, I'll never say this ever again uh, that I've never seen evidence of, of uh, gender discrimination when it comes to pay. Um, show me. I haven't seen it. In almost 20 years, I haven't seen it. Uh, the Workplace Gender Equality Agency will tell you it's been illegal since 1969 and they say that in virtually every one of their posts because they have to. Because uh, their their loyal, strong, passionate fan base misunderstands the pay gap. Um, anyway, right to disconnect. Let's talk about that. Um, just just a quick thing on this. Um, so this right to disconnect the the technology businesses out there. These big firms who are tech giants. Uh, their CEOs are, are saying things like, "Don't blame us. You know, if your workplace can't disconnect, not our fault." It's it's just not, and I tend to agree. Um, you can't blame you can't blame the the advancement in technology uh, on um, you know people having this perception that they can't disconnect. Australian employers pay all inclusive uh, pay rates. You know, in many 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 cases, in many many professions, many industries, you don't go off the award rates because you never find someone that'll work for you for that low. Um, you're paying in, inflated rates of pay. Off, off the award minimums and and uh, and what the what the market's paying to attract the right people in, and as such, you issue a contract that says the rate of pay you are being paid is all inclusive of all loadings, overtime, and penalties, etc. That means any overtime you may or may not perform, I've already paid you for it. So the employment contracts um, take into account this right to disconnect stuff. Um, what the the only so. The remuneration paid and the contract terms and conditions and that sort of thing are some of the the um, items that 
will determine if a person's refusal to talk to their employer outside of hours is unreasonable or not. Um, you know, now these contracts uh, are typically set up in, in the way that offsets all overtime, right? What unions will try to do by weaponizing this right to disconnect rule is they will say, well, you now, you now need to pay an additional allowance either per time that you send a message outside of work or per annum or per week. Um, you've got to pay an extra allowance to the employee. Um, but it, that's garbage because an all-inclusive pay rate already accounts for that. It, it's already done. So where this might have a negative impact for the Labor government and, and unions and what they want to do because they want to push wages forward, right? But where this might have a negative um, impact on that is it could actually push base salaries down because um, I'd be telling uh, clients to look, break down, break down the annual remuneration in the contract and say, well, you know, we'll pay you seventy thousand. The award says you've got to pay you fifty-five. We pay you seventy. Uh, well, I'm going to offer you sixty thousand base, and it's op- it's an option for you. You want to take the extra ten thousand dollar base salary? Then there's a clause in your contract that uh, excludes the right to disconnect. Okay. Now, if employers say no to that, they don't want they don't want that, and they would rather have an allowance every time that you try to make contact with them outside of work hours. That's going to drive their wages down. Um, that that's a defence point that an employer might have. Um, you know, the employee isn't losing any money, right? They're not being offered less money. They're not being offered less con- less favourable conditions. It's the exact same conditions. The contract the contract is just presented in a different way. Uh, now, if unions and the Greens and the Labor government think this is so important to roll out as, as a law, then that might suggest that employees will opt for the lower level salary because they, they want the right to disconnect and the allowance if you try to contact them outside of work hours. But no doubt in my mind that will drive wages down and that'll be the, that'll be the wrong thing uh, for the government to try and achieve. A, a Labor government does not want lower wages. Um, so... Look, the, the, the whole thing is just a bit of a joke, really. The whole right to disconnect thing is, is ridiculous. I haven't met anyone yet. Um, you know, I haven't spoken to any employers anywhere or anybody in general that tells me that the right, the right to disconnect is a worrying thing for them or that they're even going to give it any thought. Um, so let's see what happens with it. You know, I, 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 don't, I, I tend to agree. I don't think it's going to have that much of an effect except for when unions will try to weaponize it uh, against employers. Um, so yeah, look, let, maybe we'll leave it at that for, for, for this week. Um, there's, it's a, a lot of energy around this, this, um, this gender pay equity report. Um, you know, but in true form of this agency that's pushed it out, um, and this is going to be another year where they take millions and millions of taxpayer dollars. Uh, and provide no solutions to what they say is a problem. Um, so, what are you going to do? You know, they're, they're already talking about waiting till next year now until the, ne- the next report gets released. So, so, what are you going to do between now and then? Um, what are we paying you to do? What are you taking taxpayer money for if you're not going to pro- not going to provide a solution for it? And my firm stance on this is: if the government really thinks it's a problem, they would fix it because they can fix it. Um, it's pretty easy. Uh, look. I did say we might wrap it up there, but let's talk about one last thing. The amount of changes that small and medium-sized employers now have to get their head around just from last month alone and yeah, well, typically the last uh, 18 months really 
The last 18 months, two years has been horrific for small and medium-sized employers with regard to workplace regulations, changes, and that sort of thing. So just as a bit of a refresher, um, here's a list of changes that have been made recently that uh, workplaces have to get their heads around. Um, casual employment. Okay, there's a new definition for casual employment that's being produced. Um, there is the the need and the obligation that employers will have to issue documentation to all their casual employees that tells them they're casual, the the rules around casuals, that tells them they have the rights to elect to be made a permanent. Um, uh, even if the company can't make them permanent, they're still going to issue this documentation um, regularly, six month intervals, 12 months, you know, and consistently, repeatedly do it. Um, that's a new rule. Um, the right to disconnect, we just went through that. That's something else you're going to have to get your head around, but uh, what a waste of time that is. Definition of employment, that's changing. Um, and uh, independent contractors will have um, uh, definitions as well and high income thresholds for independent contractors. That's never been the case before, so that's a new thing to get your head around. We'll understand what that is soon, uh, but that will affect sham contracting claims and that sort of thing. Three, four weeks ago, if your contract said you were a contractor, generally speaking, you were going to be a contractor. Um, now, uh, a couple of years ago, that wasn't the case. It was a multifactorial test and you'd have to prove the genuine and real substance of the relationship to determine if you were a contractor or an employee. And that brought about a lot of sham contracting claims and a lot of sham contracting claims that were won. That means that employee, uh, contractors were deemed to be employees and the employer had to then back pay employee entitlements and so on and so on. Um, we're going back to that. The High Court made rulings that simplified everything. Um, as I said, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, you, if your contract said you're a contractor, there's no question you're a contractor, essentially, right? That's not as simple as that, but essentially that's, what, that's, that's how we've been operating for the last couple of years. Um, not the case anymore. Um, so there's a whole range of rules come around about independent contractors. Do reach out and get in touch if you're using them or if you have been using them because you thought it was safe over the last couple of years. It's about to be quite unsafe. Um, right of entry exemption certificates. So this is where unions are now going to be able to go to the commission and say, you know what, commissioner, I think uh, old mate down the road here isn't getting paid his allowance. Uh, I suspect an underpayment. Commissioner will stamp an exemption certificate. That union can then go into any business and uh, start without giving notice as it previously had to do. Um, and uh, give notice about why it was coming to the company, what it wanted to talk about and that sort of thing. You don't have to do that anymore. They can now just walk in, start demanding payroll records, auditing auditing your payroll records uh, and looking for problems. Um, and they can do that without having to give you notice. That's a, that's a troubling one, right? Um, look, civil penalties um, are coming. Um, directors are liable for more civil penalties. Um, wage theft criminalization will be coming in January 2025. That means for the individual, um, you can get uh, about, uh, I think it's about eight years, 10 years in jail um, and also a personal individual fine, personal fine of $1.5 million. Your company will get fined about 8 million bucks as well. Um, now, Let's stop on this point for a second because I want to be clear about a few things. There's a the, the Labor government and unions will th are throwing this around, right? Oh, it's only it's only intentional underpayments. 
honest mistakes, a mistake here and there, a, a mistake running payroll is not an is not an intentional underpayment. That's not wage theft. Don't believe them. I don't believe them because um, if you're a director of a company, you're obliged. You have an obligation to ensure that the company runs in a compliant manner. Um, its systems and its practices uh, above board. There's no wage mistakes. And if you don't do that, if you don't go to the effort of auditing your system, making sure they're right, making you can't just rely on the payroll guy telling you, yeah, that's correct, we're doing it good. The director, if the director doesn't intervene and ensure that that, if that advice was correct and things are running correctly and smoothly and appropriately and compliantly, the act of not doing that and trusting the payroll manager's advice to you is an intentional underpayment. That's how it's considered. So um, be very careful what you believe and buy into. You can no longer rely on your payroll manager or your HR manager or someone telling you, no, it's all good. You can't do that. That will be an intentional underpayment with serious consequences. Um, so make sure you cross that. Um, Minimum standards for employee-like workers. So if you use a gig worker, if, you, if you're using a contractor through a paying platform or something like that, um, there's now minimum uh, uh, terms and conditions for them. So the Fair Work Commission is now getting involved in employee-like people, not just employees. Um, so you can see how the government is really creating the ability for, for it to overreach um, and intervene in businesses all over the place, no matter what the arrangements are. Whereas the Fair Work Act specifically used to just look at only employees. It's, it's overreaching now, okay? Um, so be aware of that. Uh, road, road transport industry. So if, you, if you're in that sector, there's changes there. That's a bit of a beast on its own. We'll leave that one to the side. Um, enterprise bargaining methods, enterprise bargaining agreement uh, types, uh, all that sort of stuff. There's sort of changes around all that. All that. Workplace delegate um, uh rules and what they have rights to now um, this is going to include um, paying a union member to take time away from work to go to attend union training and union conferences and things like this right you're going to have to pay those workers for taking that leave um, crazy registered organizations work and technical changes to the Fair Work Act. So there's a whole range of changes. This is on top of stuff like same job, same pay, um, you know, the fixed term contract uh, rules that now exist and all those other changes that have happened since, you know, 18 months or, or so ago. Um, so, you know, imagine just to put yourself in a, in a small business employer's shoes. You're a small business employer. You've got 20 employees, 30 employees, whatever it is. Um, you're trying hard to be at, at the best, the top of your game, to compete in a competitive market, to win new clients, to keep old clients, to keep people happy, to attract people to work for you, to pay them the right sort of money, um, and to keep learning yourself and get better at what you do yourself. Uh, that's a full workload. And then you've got stuff like this that rolls out. That Everything I went through there is just one list from the last closing loopholes uh, bill that was, that, was, that was rolled out, right? This government is going to continue to add these add uh, items to this list of changes, um, and it had other lists prior to that list from eighteen months ago. How are you going to keep up? Even even professional HR folks can't keep up. So, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't. I don't know what to tell you. You know, I mean, for me, it's it's uh, it's it's difficult, but um, we're we're in the business of keeping up. 
Um, so uh, that's what we do. But uh, for our clients, for our potential clients, for our non-clients out there, very difficult job and task to, to follow what this government's trying to do. So good luck with that. Let's put a let's put a ribbon on that one now, shall we? Thanks for thanks for joining me again. Look, uh, one last uh, message is to jump on over to www.workplaceas.com. Um, check out some more advice, some tips, some more podcast episodes, and some tools you can download for free. If you've got any questions, do reach out. The podcast email address, the HR Cartel Podcast at gmail.com. Send us a, a, a comment, a statement. Uh, an argument if you want to there's been some things spoken about in this podcast episode that i suspect many of you are going to disagree with and not like so tell me change my mind give me some other perspectives i want to hear them um come on and have a chat about it let's do that um so yeah send out an email we're happy to talk and uh, and share your views so again until next time uh, keep a tight workplace and we'll talk again soon